And one of the things that I'm hoping is that you will spend some time reading in Mark. Um, that it won't just be just show up on Sundays and hear somebody else read Mark for you. That we can all kind of be in this journey together. And this morning we've made it up to Mark 8. And I really think there, there's three questions that come out of... One, one comes from last week when Noel was teaching us. And then the two, there's two more that kind of arise out of the passage this morning. And the first question is, do, do you all not yet understand? Do you get it? It's kind of the question Jesus is asking, not just his disciples, but I believe that Mark is passing that on through the ages to people like us that are thought, do you get it? Do you, do you understand? The other is, can you see anything? Now, that's in the midst of Jesus healing somebody that's blind. But I think that, again, that question is just jumping off the page. Can you... Can you see clearly? Can you see anything? Then the last question, who, who do people say that I am? And in another way of saying it, who do you say that Jesus is? Those questions are kind of jumping out of the pages as we read them today. And really it comes down to there is one answer to all those questions. That answer is you are the Messiah. You are the King. Jesus, you are King. Now as we've traveled through uh, Mark... We have kind of followed Jesus geographically, uh, but, but I want us to, I want to kind of do an overview, and then we're going to look at the passage, and Aaron's going to help this morning with one part of that overview. But part of the overview, it's not just geographical travel, it's, uh, it's political, geopolitical travel. So what, what I want you to look at in this map, and I'll try to point out... Uh, this was an incredibly complicated world, politically, geographically, and politically. So you've got, you've got, it's a time of the Roman Empire, so you've got, you know, Rome is, you know, the power above all. But Rome liked to rule through vassal states, client states. And so there was Herod the Great, who was the king at the time of Jesus' birth. He dies really quickly after Jesus' birth. And his kingdom is divided into four kingdoms. So you've got, it's really these kingdoms under, serving under the Roman Empire. So you've got this, 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 and then this. So this is, a, this is the province, Roman province of Syria. This is the territory of Herod Antipas. He's called a tetrarch, a fourth. That's Galilee. That's primarily, that's where we've been. But Jesus has gone from here to here. He's gone to the Decapolis. This was autonomous, 10 cities autonomous. They're not under the rule of the Herods and not under the rule of Rome, I don't believe, at this point. This is Herod Philip. Uh, Philip, and that, that's, Jesus is going to go here in our passage today. This is Herod Archelaus, who really just ruled a short time because uh, he, he came into conflict with the Pharisees. So this became the province of Judea. So a Roman province, because Herod Archelaus was fired. And then you've got a couple other small places, uh, Salome the first. So this, this is an area. And what I want you to understand is that this, the message of Jesus is an announcement of a kingdom. So Jesus is announcing the kingdom of God to this kingdom. Jesus is announcing the kingdom of God to that kingdom. 
Jesus is announcing the kingdom of God to that kingdom. Jesus is announcing the kingdom of God to that kingdom. And it's going to really get hot when he comes down here and announces the kingdom of God. Jesus is bringing a message across every political divide that existed in that area of the world. Now, if that doesn't seem relevant to you in the time that we live, I don't know how to make this more relevant. It's incredible the parallels between the times we live in and what was happening in Jesus' day. Now, the other part of that is, is really a racial part because Jesus is always going to the other side. So that's the listing. So far in Mark, Jesus is crossing not only these political boundaries, but he's crossing racial boundaries. The big divide is between the Jewish race and the Greek race or the Gentile race. And Jesus is coming and going across those boundaries where religion constrains, wants him to stay with one race. He's taking the message across those racial boundaries. So Aaron is going to help. Aaron is, I mean, this is her area of study. Uh, she's a PhD candidate. So, you know, as we've, I've, as I've tried, I've kind of struggled with how do, how do I explain to us the big deal about crossing these boundaries, Aaron volunteered. So, well, let me let me give you give it a shot. So, Aaron, come come help us, please. Right. Um, so how do we think about 
who is on the other side. Um, how do we think about our own other sides? And we could be, you know, we could say, oh, well, you know, I could think about the other side of the tracks, or I could think about the other side of the political spectrum. And those are all good things. Um, I think that God does call us to reach on the other side. But let me just push you to think about black and white. Um, that in the U.S. right now, there's a huge racial division. Um, there is a huge racial division in, within the church that has lasted um, for centuries. And um, there is a huge racial division in our neighborhoods. And maybe it's becoming better. Um, but we can see um, from recent events that um, there is still a huge problem. And I think that as Christians, as particularly as, um, <clears throat> as majority Christians uh, or white Christians, we need to think about um, what this means for us, for me. Um, so let me tell you, back up, and let me tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in Sacramento, California, which is a, uh, the capital of California, even though we are a small, very small city <laughs> compared to other cities in California. And I grew up in what might be described as the hood, right? Um, so there's major gangs, um, DPH, which was my neighborhood gang, right? And um, two major <coughs> Latino gangs. And um, my parents uh, lived there not because um, they wanted to be there, but because, um, you know, sort of poverty forced them. And that was the house they could afford, and that's where we lived. But there was no talk about why we should be in this neighborhood, why we should love our neighbors. There was only fear. So um, it was a majority uh, black neighborhood. Um, there were other people of color, but um, I grew up in a very sort of racialized home that, you know, black people did bad things, and I was to be scared of them, and I was to, you know, walk home quickly. <coughs> and um, that was the environment that I grew up in. Um, my dad is also from the South, from North Carolina, <coughs> so um, that has, has colored my home life. Um, <coughs> so um, I even went to high school in a in a fairly um, minority majority high school. And um, yeah, I had a nickname, right? Like a speedy white girl because <laughs> I, had, I carried a lot of books. And um, I walked very quickly because remember, I was caught. <laughs> I didn't make eye contact, you know. Um, and, and people would be like, damn, that was a cool star. Dang, that was that speedy white girl. <laughs>
college students to grow in their faith. And in that organization, I became introduced to the idea of racial reconciliation. Um, and today, I'm not going to go into deep um, stuff about what is racial reconciliation, but I just kind of want to begin the conversation. Like how do we think about race? How do we think about racial reconciliation? How do we think about it in our own lives? And um, what can we do? Um, what can we do when we hear the call of Jesus, when we see Jesus's pattern of going to the other side? Um, and like I said, we can we can extrapolate and say, okay, there's there's you know sort of these esoteric other sides of life um, that don't have to do with race. But there's a big we have to acknowledge there's a big divide about race, and we need to think about that. And I think. Honestly, I think it's going to be the biggest issue of our day. Um, so, yes. So what I would like to do to begin the conversation is to um, pass out an anonymous survey. So, uh, oh, I didn't continue my bio, which is that I went on after college to um, just question and try to study human diversity. And my specialty is in China, and um, while I don't study race in China, I do study social inequality, which usually has to do with urban and rural people, um, which are basically a different class, and they're marked by their skin and their language, and there are many, many parallels. Um, so I love surveys. <laughs> in fact, the piece of paper I will give to you has a survey that I wrote on the back, but you cannot read it. And actually, I'm not sure that I can anymore either. <laughs> um, so I want to you know, sort of start a conversation about um, what does, can you switch to the next slide? Yeah. What are your thoughts and reflections when you hear the word racial Okay. Um, what questions or barriers do you have when engaging or to engaging the other side? And on a scale of one to ten, <coughs> ten being super motivated and one being not motivated or interested at all, how motivated do you feel to address racial divisions? So I want you to fill it out anonymously. I want you to fill it out carefully. I want you to just be be honest. You know, um, maybe it's. I don't really think this is an important issue. Or I've thought about it, but I just don't know what to do. Or I, you know, whatever it is, think about that. And I also want to acknowledge that we're not all white in this room. And um, so I want to just say thank you to all white people of color in this room. And, um, but I'm addressing white people right now. Um, but if there's a way that you if um, my friends of color want to write something that's not on this list, you're more than welcome to do that as well. So I'm going to pass that out. Um, you're more than welcome to talk with each other, but do sort of think prayerfully and reflectively and um, just write it on this sheet of paper and turn it in. Yeah. Great. Yep, we 
have some pins. So that was an introduction, and um, what I what I really would like to underscore is that as the bio was being given and the description of what life was like growing up in Sacramento and the other side and those people are bad and we're good and uh, those dynamics of this century are exactly the same as what they were in the first century. And what you have to understand in the world that I live in John Stott was a wonderful evangelical leader, and he made it known that whenever you teach the Bible, you have to build a bridge from the first century or before the, from the, the centuries of the Bible. There's got to be a bridge built from there to where we are today. And I, I just have to say, again, as we're traveling through Mark, especially where we are now, In the area of politics, which I showed you, and I'm going to continue on here in a minute, in the area of race, there is an incredible, just incredible connection with the old and the new. And remember, just remember the adage, if we don't learn from history, history unfortunately repeats itself. And so, again, those are the things that I'm, as I study and prepare for us, And as I live in this world with us, I'm seeing these connections. And and I I know that Jesus is really guiding us to follow him down the pathway that it's going to look a lot like what he did. So, you know, as you fill this out, I'm going to be a distraction uh, to your thinking because I want to carry on. Um with just kind of, the, uh, kind of the political geographical tension of Jesus announcing the kingdom of God in these other domains. And I, I have to say, you've got to understand, he was a threat to every king in, in Israel at the time. They were threatened by him. He, was, he will ultimately be a threat to the Caesar. Caesar's title was Curios, Lord. Caesar's title, he had the title of Savior of the world before Jesus announced that he was the Savior of the world. So the, te- the tensions between this established order and the appearance of this guy who says, I am the king, I am the Savior of the world, these leaders in these political factions are threatened by what that might mean. And the religious are very curious because they've been carrying forth the idea of a Messiah through the centuries. Okay? Does that make sense? So I think we can learn both what Aaron is introducing to us in the area of race. It, we can also include gender. Because Jesus cut across the gender lines in huge ways. He did what was inappropriate time and time again. And so I want, I want Aaron to keep, kind of keep that dialogue going in the racial realm because that's where she's living to help us. And it's helping us to see what Jesus did 
so that we can apply what Jesus did into the day where it's very much the same. Does that that all make sense? Okay. All right, so keep, keep filling out the survey, but let me back up a little bit. You remember that there were kings in Israel, right? All right, so if you we're not going to go through all this, but remember there was there was a united kingdom. The king the king of Israel starts with Saul, it goes to David, it goes to Solomon. That's the united kingdom, those three kings, and then it all fell apart after Solomon. It became a divided kingdom. And so if you're reading what books in the Old Testament do you read about the kings? Ha ha! And then there's another one, Chronicles. And what's the what's the most common phrase in Kings and Chronicles? This king followed or did not follow God in the footsteps of David. This king was either good. This king was either bad. So the, the kind of this good, bad, good, bad. Uh, ultimately, there was more bad than good. So you come down to what? The kingdom is dismantled. And then you ultimately end up with Israel being sucked into the Assyrian Empire. And then Judah, the kingdom of Judah, being taken into captivity in Babylon. What happened to the monarchy of Israel when they're in captivity in Babylon? What happens when the king, you're following the lineage, what happens when that that last king in that lineage dies? What happens? Following the conquest of Judah by Babylon and the exile and its population, in Babylon there was this office called... Exile Ark, the leader of the exile, head of the diaspora. Those who held the position traced their ancestry to the house of David in the the male line. The position holder was regarded as a king in waiting. What you need to understand is the monarchy ended and they were awaiting something new while in captivity. So it keeps going. After the, after the exile, you see the rebuilding of uh, Jerusalem, the capital. You see the rebuilding of the temple. You do not see the rebuilding of the monarchy. You have promise. You have prophetic promise. You have the prophets talking about. I mean, this is we're approaching my, kind of my favorite season, Isaiah, for a child that's been born to us. Son has been given authority. Governing authority rests. Upon his shoulders he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His, his authority shall grow continually. There shall be an endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it. With justice, with righteousness, from this time on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So in Jewish eschatology, building off the promises of the prophets, God speaking to those the term Mashiach, Messiah, came to refer to a future Jewish king from the Davidic line who is expected to be anointed with holy anointing oil and rule the Jewish people during the Messianic age. The Messiah is often referred to as King Messiah or Melech Mashiach in Hebrew. So when Jesus shows up and says, I'm the Messiah, 
This is what it's tracing back to. Before Jesus arrives, there's another group of folks that decide, well, we need to keep the kingdom of Israel going. The Hasmoneans, they're also called the Maccabees. They were a priestly group, Kohanim. They're from the tribe of Levi. They established, notice, they established their own monarchy. They kind of took it upon themselves. We need a monarchy over Israel At this time, we have the Greek Empire. So they rebelled against Hellenistic Seleucid dynasty. That's coming out of the Greek era. And the Hasmoneans were not considered connected to the Davidic line nor to the tribe of Judah. So they can't fulfill what was happening in Isaiah. They're just kind of, again, they're kind of filling the gap. We need a king. Well, they rebelled against Rome, and that's the end of that dynasty. So following them is Herod. The Herodians were getting closer to Jesus. Well, Herod, and I don't know, I do not know. There's a lot about Herod I don't know. But Herod convinced, he went to Rome, he convinced the Roman Senate that he was sincere in his his intentions to favor Romans. And so he was announced in the Roman Senate to be the king of the Jews. Herod the Great was, was an, again, that's such a key word, announced to be the king of the Jews by the Roman Senate. Again, this is not, again, this is not the same thing as David be anointed by oil. This is not the same thing. So he is actually a vassal king. His na- the, the nation of Israel, the, the state of Israel, they, it becomes this vassal client state. And he's really, he's what's called a pretender. That's one who's able to maintain a claim that he is entitled to a position of honor or rank, which may be occupied by an incumbent, usually more recognized, or whose powers may currently be exercised by another. So he's, he's just took upon himself the title King of the Jews. And the Roman Senate announced that. So this is the Herod that you read about. This is the Herod that the the Magi visited. This is the Herod that he was really, that's the King of the Jews. Uh Uh-oh! Where is the King of the Jews being born? Uh Uh-oh! I'm the pretender king. And so then he's the guy that says, well, kill every child in Bethlehem. Make sure you kill all those boys because that threatens my rule. Wow. Well, he dies. And so the secession plan, who follows him on the throne, is approved, ratified, again, in Rome by the emperor. (laughs) And so then that's why you end up with this tetrarch. And this is the world that Jesus enters. This is a world that Jesus enters with this announcement. The kingdom of God has arrived. It's arriving. And that kingdom's arriving because I'm the king. And we've got to understand, man, that was a total threat to every one of these governing authorities. So we get to Mark. 
Jesus asks the disciples, do you not yet understand? In some ways you can, with, with some of the tensions that were being introduced to by Aaron, the crossing of lines, and they're scratching, we have never seen anything like this. And do you not yet understand, you know, and, you know the announcement of his kingdom to, uh, yeah, you, there's every reason for them to go, no, we don't understand, we don't get it. So they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man to him, begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village. He put some saliva on his hands and put him on his eyes, laid his hands on him and said, Can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Well, notice he just led him out of the village, so there's probably not people out there. So he's seeing trees. So he's not seeing very clearly yet. So Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. He looked intently. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. He saw everything clearly. So Jesus sent him away to his home saying, don't go into the village. Don't go tell your story in the village. I don't need more press. Just go home and tell tell your family what I've done for you. And then Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea is named after the Caesar. Philippi is named after Herod Philip. So again, he's going to this place that is recognizing a different political entity is in charge. And Jesus on the way says, who do the people say that I am? They answer, well, John the Baptist. Well, it can't be, it'd have to be John the Baptist back from the dead because John the Baptist has been beheaded. Or Elijah. Or one of the other, again, they're all, they're, well, Elijah didn't die, but he'd have to come, have come back. The other prophets died, they have to, so they can't be, this can't be the Sadducees, they didn't believe in resurrection. So it has to be the, like this Pharisee, it's just, again, it's just this crazy world. And then Jesus said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter is the one who speaks to him and says, you're the Messiah. You're Messiah. That's the Hebrew. Messiah. You're the Christ. That's the Greek. Christ. In our words, you are king. In this crazy world of competing kingdoms, you are the king. And you're the Davidic king. You're the one that's fulfilling what Isaiah foretold. 700 years before your arrival. You're the king. In the midst of all these boundaries and all these these tensions between gender and race, between kingdoms, you're the Messiah. And so it really does bring it down to, you know, what do we not yet understand? And let me take you totally off the hook. There's a lot. There's so much going on. And it's a world that it'd be easy to kind of gloss it over and say, well, confess your sins to Jesus. He will forgive you and we'll all go to heaven. It'd be a lot easier to just go down that path. And all of that is true. But that's not the whole story. It's part of the story, important part. So what do we not yet understand about Jesus being king? What don't we yet see clearly? Again, 
there's every reason. We, we have so much of our vision when we look at the Bible is tainted by what other people have told us about what's in the Bible. I mean, I hear I am telling you, but I'm trying to do it without glasses on, best I can. But so much of what we see, someone has told us. I'm just trying to say, I'm just trying to, man, there are layers here that really challenge us. We need to see clearer. And then really, who do we say Jesus is? I mean, if somebody asked you today, who is Jesus? What would your answer be? And there's good answers. But I would, I would like to say to you that the very best answer that you could give to the person asking you today, who is Jesus? Your answer would be, he is the king. Now that's going to lead to, uh, what do you mean he's the king? So when then we got it, well, it, for Jesus to be king, it means, again, that's what I'm leaving with. What does it mean? What does it mean for us today that Jesus is the king, forever will be the king? There is no other king. He's the king above all kings. He's the Lord above all lords. What does that mean today for you and I living life in our neighborhood, in our city, in our schools, our business? What does that mean? See, it really comes down to how are we announcing? That's what Jesus is doing. If we're going to follow in Jesus' footsteps, he's announcing his rule. He's announcing that he's king. Well, we got to keep doing that. If we don't do that, we fall back into this chaos of political powers trying to be the top dog. And we, we, we just kind of maybe just naturally keep dividing between the races. Because it's Jesus that always crosses those boundaries. And if we're following him, we'll always cross. So who are we announcing? Who are we announcing his kingdom to? How, how are the governing authorities? You know, how are we announcing Jesus is the king? I'm going to pray for you as a governing authority, but I'm not going to put my trust in you. My trust is in Jesus. That's the permanence. And then finally, you know, who are we inviting into the kingdom? That's what Jesus, he invited people to come into the kingdom. How are we doing that? My hope is that We'll spend some time thinking about the questions that Aaron has given us and ponder some of these as well. And hopefully, by God's grace and the good teaching of the Holy Spirit, that some of this will become unraveled for us. But I want to say two things in closing. One, don't think that this is some pretty story that was written to make us feel better. This is an incredible story that corrects the misdirection of humanity on the planet. And you and I are part of that redirecting of all of humanity back into relationship with their creator and king. That's incredible. The other thing is, 
the invitation. Have you entered the kingdom? Have you entered the kingdom? If, if you cannot, like, definitively say, you know, I'm not sure anybody's ever asked me that question. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever answered that question. That's a really important question. So that's my invitation to all of us. Have you entered the kingdom? Because it's important for us to know. Yes or no? So would you stand with me? Jesus, I believe that what we are doing this morning is that we're acknowledging that you've introduced to the world this mechanism for crossing every dividing line. That ultimately you are the answer for all of the division within us and between us around this globe. So Jesus, you... Fill us with the Holy Spirit and you direct us towards following you across lines of division, whether they be racial, whether they be economic, whether they be political, whether they be gender. Whatever dividing wall our culture has put up, you are directing us to cross those dividing walls. And Lord, you're asking us to do that because a new kingdom has arrived. And you're asking us to pledge allegiance first and foremost to your kingdom. Jesus, I believe that entering your kingdom begins with a simple acknowledgement that you are the king. And I'm not sure that, I mean, it seems like maybe... It's going to take us the rest of our lives to be able to fill out all of what that means, but it just starts with yes. The kingdom of God has arrived on the earth. God is correcting the path of humanity because Jesus is the king. So I'm going to ask you, and I ask you to answer in your heart of hearts, and we can have more conversation about it. But have you entered the kingdom of God? So two encouragements as we end. One, if you want to talk more about that, man, I'd love to talk more about that with any of us. So any way that I can help you answer that question, if you can't answer that question clearly, a yes or a no, let's visit. I mean, we, we can talk about that. 
The other is for, for those of us that said, yes, yes, I've entered the kingdom. This is what we can do every day. Whether you're going to stay in your neighborhood, in your home, or whether you're going to go to work, or whether you're going to go into a classroom, what we can do every day, wherever we go, whether it's stay in New Braunfels, whether it's go to the Garden Ridge, whether it's go back to San Marcos, whether it's going to Seguin, or whether it's going all like Stephen and Mary into Bethlehem, or when I went to Santiago, it doesn't matter where you go in the world. Our assignment is everywhere we go to say, let your kingdom come here. Establish your kingdom here, wherever that is, wherever you are. If you're in the kingdom, your prayer becomes, establish your kingdom here. Influence whoever's here. Influence us with your rule and your reign now. Influence with your right now. And let your will be done on earth now. Which means do through us, do through us what you want to do wherever we are. That becomes our daily prayer. I don't know all the ways that God can answer that prayer. But I truly believe in the deepest part of me that that's what he wants every bona fide follower of Jesus to do every day. Wherever I am, establish your rule and your reign here and do through us what you want on the earth today. So I want to recruit you to hold on to that, to start doing that day after day after day, wherever you are. And then let's share the stories of what and how he answers those prayers. Deal? Can do that? All right. Aaron, thank you for that beginning. We look forward to more. Look forward to conversation with anybody that wants to talk about entering the kingdom. And also look forward to stories that we can begin to tell each other as we pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth. Okay? Amen? Amen. Thank you all.